This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. All right, so if you're wondering where Pastor Brian is, he's out camping. Uh, He's taking a uh, much-deserved time to refresh and renew, and so they took a camping trip. And so I just encourage you guys to uh, keep them in your prayers while they're gone. Uh, Pray that they would just have a fresh vision and fresh passion. And and if you could uh, do a really uh, special prayer for them, um, I would like you to pray that um, raccoons would come in the middle of the night and steal all their s'mores supplies. Um, because I, I would just love to, for them to come back and to, to hear that story of the raccoons scavenging all their food. So if you could pray a little prayer for that, that would be awesome. <laughs> Well, didn't you have a wonderful time at the picnic last week? You know, Josh already hit on it. It was such a good day. You know, me and Jace were trying to pull out to win the trophy for the Bagos. Um, but Stephen and Allison proved to be too much of a challenge. They knocked us out, so we didn't win, unfortunately. But um, we had a great time at the picnic. Uh, can we just uh, thank Mary Buchanan and the events team? Uh, for all that they did, I mean, that, that is a lot of work. Trust me, that, that is a lot of work to put that event on, and they did such a great job, and we had such an enjoyable time. All right, well, today I am preaching a message called, Why Are You Singing? Why Are You Singing? And right now, I would just ask you where you are to just get into your head and, and ask yourself the question, why are you singing? Why am I singing? Or maybe if you don't sing, maybe you can ask yourself, why aren't I singing? Why am I not singing? And the reason I want you to think about that in your mind is because today, uh, this message is personal. The question that I'm asking is, why are you singing? Personal. Why are you singing? You know, Josh, why are you singing? Pastor Jim, why are you singing? This message is personal for you. And I hope that it reaches you. So why are you singing? Do you ever think about the times in life where we're together and we sing together? You know, there's times in life when we're happy and we sing together. You know, at birthday parties, we all sing the song, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to, you know, we all sing, we all join in the celebration. It's a happy moment. There are times in life where we are sad and we sing, when we are mourning. For instance, at at a funeral service and we all sing, you know, amazing grace together and we're mourning. I th- for me, those times in life where a group of people can join together and, and they can sing the same song and they can all join their voices and, and, and sing a song, it, it's a special time for me. It's a special time when we can come together and, and we can sing together and we can lift our voices together. And, and, and what's awesome is the fact that at church, church is a place where we get to do that every single week. Church is a place where we get to come and we get to lift up our voices amongst a group of people and sing the same song and and lift up our God. And I just think that's awesome. And so when we come to church, 
obviously, based upon the content of our songs, we're singing to glorify God, right? We're singing to glorify God. We're singing to show, show our gratitude to Jesus, to say thank you to Jesus. And we sing to invite the Holy Spirit here to work in us and to move among us. I mean, we sing for all those things. But my question today would be, why are you singing? Why are you singing? And so we're going to get in the word because if I can read some things out of the word, then, well, um, at least we know that that part's going to be good today, right? So I'm going to read some stuff out of the word. We're going to start in the New Testament with a teaching of Jesus. Mark chapter 7. Mark is the second gospel out of the four gospels, right after Matthew, second book in the New Testament. And to start out, I'm going to read quite a bit here, but the reason why is because we need, we need to know this, we need to see this whole scene. We, we need to see the picture as a whole. We can't just take a little bit of it because it all works so beautifully together. It all kind of congeals together to form this one strong message. And so we really need to start at the beginning and go to the end. And so we're going to go Mark 7, verse 1. So fasten your seatbelts. Let's go. I think I saw some of you looking to your sides for the buckles to try to fasten your seatbelt. Okay. Mark 7. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law. Now, these are the people that were against Jesus. These were the people that opposed Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus. And saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. Now, his disciples are Jesus' friends. So, basically, Jesus' enemies sees Jesus' friends eating food with hands that were uh, not clean. All right? Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. All right, so at this point, you know, I'm kind of with the Pharisees. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that, like, when I'm going into the restaurant, I use my pinky to, to grab that door handle and kind of open it so I don't get germs all over my hands. And then I've got to go to the bathroom, and then I've got to wash my hands. And then I grab the paper towels, and I use the paper towels to open the door out of the bathroom. So I'm like, okay, these guys got a point. You know, I, I, I kind of like to wash my hands before I eat, you know. Um, but let's keep going. So, the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. All right, Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. He's an Old Testament prophet who wrote many prophecies that are fulfilled in the New Testament. And here Jesus is quoting from the Bible what Isaiah wrote. And he says this, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Verse 8, you have to let go of the commands of God 
You have let go of the commands of God and you are holding on to human traditions. All right, so these guys confront Jesus' friends and say, you guys aren't doing the, the traditions that we are supposed to uphold. You guys aren't doing all the right things. And so they confront Jesus and they say, Jesus, why are your friends not doing all the little right things that we're supposed to do? And then Jesus just busts out something from scripture that puts them in their place. And then they go on and Jesus goes on and he begins to just just give it to them and tell them how he really feels about the way they're acting. And in verse 9, he continues and he says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So basically what they're doing is they're creating loopholes based upon tradition to get out of the things that God has said to do in his word. All right, and then we go to verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone. All right, so everyone has just seen this go down. And Jesus says, listen, listen, everyone. Here's what I want to say. Understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And, and I love this part because Jesus, is just, he, sometimes he's just got a bite about him. And, and his disciples ask him about this parable. And Jesus says, are you so dull? Are you so dull? Like, are you? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. So he says, are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomachs. And then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods unclean. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that he declared all foods unclean? I mean, I really like barbecue shrimp, so I'm pretty glad. Uh, but he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside a person and defile them. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for us today and for this message. Father God, I just come before you and I pray that you would speak through me. God, that your words would be my words. Lord, I pray today that you would move in every single person here, God. This is a personal message for every single one. And Lord, I pray that you begin to develop in us, cultivate in us hearts of worship. God, I pray by the end of this message that we would see worship as a means where we can become purified. And Lord, I pray that you would just build in us a deeper belief of the things that your word says about you. Lord, that we could believe the right things about you. And Lord, I pray for every person here that doesn't really have a good voice. Lord, I pray that you would just transform their voice, God, so that they could sing like an angel, so that they could uh, 
praise you in song. It's in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. That was kind of a joke there at the end. Um, but hey, some people need prayer to be, be able to sing good, right? So throw that out there. All right, well, we've been in a series called The God First Life, and we've been learning a lot about worship. Uh, we've been learning, like, the, the hows of worship, um, what it means to worship, the different ways that we can physically express our worship. Um, we've learned how to decide that to be a worshiper, that when we come into uh, church or when we, when we live our lives, we have to make a decision that we're going to be a worshiper, that we're going to lift up the name of Jesus uh, we've learned uh, all the different biblical uh, words and, and ways that we can worship him, you know, through the lifting of our hands, through our song, through our dance, uh, through, through bowing on our knees. Um, uh, we, we've learned all those different words. And so today, what I really want to hone in on is, is worship, but I want to hone in on the, the heart of worship. Uh, we've been learning about what happens on, on the stage of life. Uh, the, the actual things that people see. And what I want to do today is I want to take us behind the curtain and see what's happening behind the scenes. All right, so number one today is religion versus surrender. So if you're taking notes, religion versus surrender. Now, in that first part of that passage of Mark 7, we talked about how uh, the, the, the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders, they came to Jesus and they said, your friends aren't doing the, all the little things that, that they're supposed to be doing, all the little traditions. Oh, why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they washing their hands before they eat? And Jesus begins to explain to them. Basically, he says, why are you doing that? Why, why are you doing that? I, I've got to read this for you out of the message translation. This is Mark 7, 6. All right, this is when Jesus quotes Isaiah from the Old Testament. Jesus says, these people make a big show of saying the right thing, uh, but their heart isn't in it. Their heart isn't in it. They act like they are worshiping me. They act like they are worshiping me. They look like they're worshiping me. But they don't mean it. Jesus says to, to, to these people that are questioning him and his disciples, he says, you're doing these things, but there's no heart. You're doing these things, but there's nothing behind it. It doesn't mean anything. Jesus is saying, why are you even doing it? I mean, your worship is in vain. Because it's not coming from your heart. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't mean anything to me. Because it's empty. And so we want to talk about religion versus surrender. All right, so this is big. So turn, turn to your neighbor and, and tell him that this is big. You got to get this. You got to get this. Listen, religion is this. Religion is doing the things you think you're supposed to do because you want to do good. Religion is doing the things you think you're supposed to do because you want to do good. Surrender 
He's saying, I can't do it on my own. I can't do good on my own. I can't do good on my own. But out of the love that I have for Jesus, I want to be a part of everything that he's calling me to. Surrender is saying, I can't do good on my own. But out of the love that I have for Jesus, I want to be a part of everything that he's calling me to do. Let me put it to you like this. Uh, has anyone uh, ever asked their kids to clean their room? Or, or maybe you remember uh, cleaning your room as a kid. Um, you know, you've got a huge mess. You've got uh, pizza boxes, dirty laundry all over the place. Your bed's not made. Toys are all over everywhere. Play-Doh stuck in the carpet. You know, paints on the walls. You, you've got the whole big mess. And, and religion is taking all of that mess in that room and shoving it all in a closet. Just shoving it all in the closet and shutting the door. Religion is taking that mess, shoving it in the closet, closing the door, saying it's done. It's gone. I look good. The, the room looks good. Surrender is taking everything out of the closet and saying, Jesus, you can have it. Jesus, this is too big of a mess for me to clean up on my own. There is nothing I can do about this. Jesus, I don't need this stuff. I don't want this stuff. I'm not going to have this stuff because I'm going to give it to you. That's surrender. Religion, hide it. Hide it. Shove it all in the closet. Pretend like it's not there and, act, and look, look good. Do good. Surrender is saying, yeah, all this stuff is there. Of course it's there. Because we have a problem with sin as humanity. How many knows that? Of course this stuff is there. And there's nothing I can do about it to clean it. That's why I'm going to give it to Jesus. And Jesus is going to take care of it. That's surrender. One of, one of the most significant songs. You know, songs really speak to me. I, I love sermons. I listen to sermons all the time. And, and I grab things out of sermons. Like, there, there'll be points in sermons that really hit me. And like, man, that's good. And, and I'll, I'll hold on to that. Um, but with songs, songs tend to, like, get stuck in your head. And so a message of a song, you, it, it revisits you on a daily basis because it's stuck in your head on what it's saying. And so I really like songs because they tend to communicate to me uh, more effectively. And, and there's a song that has really been speaking to me in this season of my life. And, and this song, it says, it says, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, you've walked through all of my walls. You've walked through all of my walls. And you've conquered my shame. You stepped into my past and you filled my world with grace. You didn't have to come, but you wanted to. You didn't have to come, but you wanted to. Did you know that Jesus came to this earth, he died, he was buried, and then he rose again 
so that he could walk through all of your walls. So that all the little rooms that you build up, all the little rooms that we build up in our heart, Jesus wants to walk through them and he wants to conquer the shame that all those rooms hide. He wants to go into our past and he wants to fill our world with his grace. And the best part is that he didn't have to come. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do this for us. It's amazing. In Matthew 19, Matthew's just before the Gospel of Mark, all right? It's also a lot of stories about Jesus. And so there's a story of a rich man and Jesus. Uh, it's a young rich man and Jesus. And, and this rich man, he, he has a lot of stuff, all right? So if I could just kind of grab this stuff and, and not hurt myself. He has, he has a lot of stuff. All right, he comes to Jesus with this stuff. Oh, and I, I forgot, he also has a list. Let me grab a list. He's got this list of, of everything that he's done right. All right, so not literally, guys. He, he doesn't, he's not literally carrying stools on his shoulder. All right, but in his heart, he's got lots of stuff. He's got lots of stuff and he's got a list. All right, so this guy comes up to Jesus all right, so say Jesus is over there. He comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, look at my list. Look, I, I haven't done anything wrong. I, I, haven't, I haven't cheated. No, I haven't lied. I haven't stolen. Uh, I've kept all the commandments. I, I've done so good. I, I, am, I am just radically religious, Jesus. And, and then he asked Jesus, what else do you want from me? I've followed all the rules. What else do you want from me, Jesus? And Jesus looks at the man. And he says to the man, go and sell all you have. And then come follow me. Go and sell all you have and then come follow me. You know what the, the rich young man, he... He just begins to walk away with his head down. And Matthew writes that he walks away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. Did Jesus not want him to have all his stuff? Did Jesus not want him to have his iPhones, have his BMWs, have his boats, have, have all the stuff that, that he had, his great possessions? No, that, that's not it. You see, Jesus, Jesus is less concerned about telling you what you can and can't have or what you, you can and cannot do. He's more concerned with just having you. Now, sometimes he has to tell you what you can and cannot have or what you should and should not do in order to have you. But the bottom line is, Jesus wants to have you. Jesus wasn't trying to tell the rich young ruler, you shouldn't have all this stuff. You need to get rid of it. What Jesus was trying to do was get the rich man to surrender his heart. All of him. Jesus just wanted him. And that blows my mind. That blows my mind, the fact that, that, that the 
this whole gospel is so personal. It, it, it's so personal. It's not just on a global scale. It's on a very, very intimate level. That, that Jesus doesn't just want to set a bunch of rules and a bunch of guidelines for society to follow. What Jesus wants to do is just to have you, you, you personally. It blows my mind. There's another song that has been significant in my life lately. And I think, you know, this is kind of a tangent, but as I was writing this sermon, just the the whole fact that that this is such a personal gospel and that that God really cares about each and every person sitting in each and every chair in this place, it was really just overwhelming me. And this song came to my mind. And so um, this song, it, it, it literally comes from a psalm, all right? It comes out of the Bible, and it says that that I could lay my head in Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead. I could lay my head in Sheol. I could make my bed at the bottom of the darkest deep. But there is not a place that I could escape you, because your heart never stops coming after me. Your heart never stops coming after me. Your heart never stops coming after me. No matter where you are, if you're in Sheol, if you're in the darkest deep, his heart never stops coming after you. He's all about you. Amen. We're still in point one. Religion versus surrender. Has anybody um, ever heard of the the Barkley Marathon. I know it's a, it's a far stretch to, to ask this question, but I was just really curious. The Barkley Marathon. All right, well, I'll tell you about the Barkley Marathon. Uh, the Barkley Marathon is, is, a, is a running marathon that takes place in Tennessee, in the hills of Tennessee. The Barkley Marathon is 100 miles long. The, the Barkley Marathon is, you, you only get 60, uh, well, 60 hours to, to do the whole thing. So 100 miles in 60 hours. It's, it's named the most difficult marathon in all the world. Um, only 14 runners have managed to finish the race in 20 years. All right, so this is like the craziest test of endurance you've ever seen. Um, and, and so I, I had watched a movie about this race, and, and there's a principle that I pulled out of it um, that I would like to share with you, and, and it's, it's this. So there's five loops in the race, all right? So if there's 100 miles, that means that each loop is, what, 20 miles, okay? So the first time you go out on the course, you go, you go clockwise. And the second time, you go counterclockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise. And the fifth time, they send you out opposite ways, so you're by yourself. Um, so once you get to the fifth loop in the Barkley Marathon, you have to finish that loop in order to finish the race and claim that, that you have finished the Barkley, okay? You have to finish five loops in order to claim that you have finished the Barkley, all right? But you don't have to finish it. There's no one telling you that your life is on the line, that you're going to lose your life if you don't finish the Barkley, right? 
You, you have to finish five loops in order to finish the Barkley, but you don't have to finish the Barkley. You, you have to want to finish the Barkley. You have to want to finish the Barkley. And so when we come into worship, religion is the mindset that I have to worship because I have to please God. That would be like if someone said, you're going to lose your life if you don't finish the Barkley. And therefore, you have to run the fifth loop because A, you have to finish it because B, you will lose your life if you don't. But surrender is whenever you come into worship with the mindset that, yes, I have to worship because I'm so enamored by the love of God, but I want to worship. No, I don't have to finish the Barclay Marathon, but I want to. When you come into worship, do you worship because you have to and you have to? Or do you worship because you have to and you want to? It's the difference between religion and surrender. Number two, actions versus attitude. We're going to go to Psalm 46 through 8, but you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'm going to turn there. Probably a good idea. All right, Psalms 40, 6 through 8 says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Listen to what the message says. Same scripture. Doing something for you. Doing something for you. Bringing something to you. That's not what you're after. Being religious. Acting pious. It's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me. Do you know that God wrote a letter about you and it's filled with things that you wouldn't believe he thinks of you? I read in your letter what you wrote about me and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life and became a part of my being. See, Jesus, Jesus isn't just wanting us to come and to, to bring him something or to come and to... Uh, just do something for him. But, you know, we learned about all the different uh, ways that we can express our worship. And, and th- the fact is, whenever we come to worship, if, 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 you know, clapping our hands, like if you, if you really think about it, clapping our hands is meaningless. And, you know, lifting our hands is meaningless. And, and dancing is meaningless. It, 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 it's like 
whenever you watch TV and you have a remote, well, the remote obviously changes the channels. It turns the volume up. But if the remote doesn't have any batteries in it, well, then what? Well, then you can, you can do this action with your thumb, but nothing's going to happen. It's, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to receive that signal. Well, that's the same way it is in worship. Your, your actions can be meaningless if you don't have the attitude of the heart that Jesus is wanting. Isn't that what Jesus said? I mean, in the scripture, he said these people make a big show of saying the right thing. Their heart's not in it. They, they act like they're worshiping me, but uh, they don't mean it. I mean, why are they even doing this? You know, with, if you're in worship and you just like, you just kind of like wait for the song to be over. Or you're just trying to like think about what you want for lunch or how a thousand things you've got to do when you get home. Well, then, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to worship, I mean, it's going to be meaningless because there's no, there's no heart behind it. There's no power behind it. You know, if the attitude of your heart is, you know, I do this because I'm a Christian. I do this because I don't want to look out of place because everyone else is doing it around me. It's just what we do when we go to church. I've always done this thing. Then the the stuff that you do is going to be meaningless because there's no heart behind it. Well, listen, if if you come into worship and you have the attitude of the heart where you're like, my God, I cannot believe what you have done for me. I cannot believe that Jesus came and died and rose again. And, and, and I can't believe the things that he endured for me. I can't believe that, 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 that because of what Jesus did, that my past, my present, and my future sins are all done away with, that I have been washed clean, that I've been made righteous. If you come into worship and you are in awe and in amazement of the fact that God has saved your life and that he has done great things for you, then your actions will actually mean something. So how do you get that attitude in your heart? I mean, I think we, we could all say that we want to come into worship and we want our actions to mean something to our God. So how do we get that attitude in our heart? If you want to get the right attitude, you have to get the right beliefs. If you want to get the right attitude, you have to have the right beliefs. So what should you believe? I mean... There's so many things out there about God and about Christianity and about Jesus that sometimes it's hard to even know what we should be believing. And a lot of times we've got lots of wrong ideas about who Jesus is and about who God is. So how do we figure out what's right believing, what is right thinking? Well, let me tell you, everything that that you you should believe about God and about Jesus is right here in the B-I-B-L-E. I mean, it's right here. You, You don't need to believe anything besides what you read in this book. That's a guarantee. That's an absolute guarantee. If, if you believe today that, that God's mad at you, then you've believed something that you're not going to find in here. If you believe today that, that God's out to get you, well, then again, you've believed something that you're not going to find in here. If, if you believe that, that God's weak today, I've got good news for you. All right? You've believed wrongly. And if you believe that, that God can't get over your past, well, then you better believe that believing something that shouldn't be believed because it ain't there. That was very confusing, wasn't it? Basically, you shouldn't believe that because it's not in this book. Jesus has gotten over your past already. 
So if you want the right attitude in your heart when you come into worship, get the right beliefs in your mind. How do you do that? Read the Bible and pray every day. It's simple. Read the Bible and pray every day. Read the Bible and pray every day. Actions versus attitude. Number three, last point today. Praise God. Pollution versus purification. Pollution versus purification. I want to go back to what Jesus was saying in Mark. In Mark 7. It was towards the end of what we read today. Mark seven twenty. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles him, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil comes. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil things come from inside and defile a person. Listen, everyone's heart is polluted. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and that we all fall short. And instead of we, we are all falling short. We continually are falling short. But you know what? That's why Jesus came. We, we all may have hearts of pollution where these things come out. But that's why Jesus came. He did it for us. God did it for us. Don't, don't you hate the feeling whenever you, um, you've eaten something bad or maybe you just have a sickness and you, uh, you've really got you really to throw up. I mean, you really got to throw up and, and, and you're fighting a feeling of, oh, my, I'm so queasy. I don't know if I can hold this in. I'm so sick. Do you hate that feeling? But, but this is somewhat graphic, but the very little truth is that our hearts are full of vomit. Our hearts are full of vomit. And sometimes we come into worship and we've got that feeling where we've got that feeling where we need to throw up. And we come into worship and, and we're doing all we can. You know, we, we are, we're like breathing in the back. We're trying, we're trying not, to, not to get sick. We're trying to hold that in. We're trying to hold that stuff in. And we're gagging. But, but Jesus says that. He's looking for people that will worship in what? He's looking for people that will worship in spirit and truth. And so when you come into worship, what Jesus wants is he really just wants the real you. He doesn't want you holding things back. He doesn't want you holding things in. Basically, when you come into worship, what Jesus really wants to do is is you're here like this and, and, and you're sick. You don't know what to do. You're trying to hold it in. But Jesus wants to come and do this. Begin to poke you. He, he wants to begin to shake you. Some of you, he even wants to punch you right there in the gut. And he wants that stuff to come out of you. He wants that stuff to explode out of you. All that, all that stuff that's in your heart, all, all the vile stuff, all the evil stuff. Jesus wants to come in during worship, and he doesn't want you to just hold it in and suck it back. He wants to come and get it out of you. And when we come into worship bearing everything, not holding things back, then Jesus can begin to purify us from the inside out. From the inside 
you'll come to worship in your weakness, in your shortcomings, in your failures. And if you will just be honest, and if you will just be authentic, then worship becomes a process of purification in your life. This is my closing thought. If we could get the keyboards on, please. I've preached this scripture before, and I wouldn't be surprised that if I preached every week, I would probably use it every single week because it preaches for itself. 2 Corinthians 12, 10 through 12. This is Paul writing, and Paul, he's writing on about uh, something that is a, a shortcoming in his life, a sin in his life, and it keeps coming back to him. It keeps coming back to him, and he's praying that God would just remove it from his life, that, that God would just remove it from him, that he would no longer have to deal with it, that he would no longer have to struggle with it. And Paul writes, three times I did that. Three times I prayed to the Lord, God, remove this from me. Take it away. And then the Lord told him that my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and I began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker that I get, the stronger I become. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. I've got one more song to mention. I think I'm going to have to put a playlist together to accompany this sermon just so you can listen to all these songs. But there's a song called Touch the Sky. And and, and the song says that the song says that I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. That I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. What Paul's saying is whenever, whenever you're at your lowest point, whenever you're down on the ground and you're beaten and you're out of it, you don't feel like you can get up again. You don't feel like you can do it again. When you are at your weakest level, Jesus is at his strongest. So we come to him. We come before him. With all of our junk. With everything that that has been tripping us up. With everything that has been setting us back. And we say, here's my weakness. Now become strong. Every head bowed, eyes closed today, please. I just want you to think about one last time. Why are you singing? Is it because you're religious? 
Was it because you surrendered to him? When you come into worship, is it just an action or is there an attitude of awe behind what you're doing? When you come before Jesus, are you trying to hide all the pollution in your heart? Are you, are you giving it up to him so that in your weakness he can become strong? Listen, real quick, if, you, if you're here today and you don't know why you're here, you don't know what brought you here, you don't really know how you got here. But you heard something in this message about Jesus and about surrendering your life to him and about giving him everything and about him forgiving your past, present, and future sins and about him doing it all for you personally. If that's you today and you've never said, Jesus, I, I want to start this with you. I want to I live a journey with you then today is your day. You have the opportunity today to begin the change of a lifetime. I'm not going to embarrass you. There's, there's no one looking around. There's no one trying to see. But if that's you today and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I've never asked him to come in my life before, but today is my day. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Could, could you lift up your hand? Anyone here today that says, I need Jesus in my life? Amen. I celebrate that. I celebrate that so many people here already know our Savior. Can we get the lights down, please? Now, to end this message, could, could we all stand on our feet? And I could think of no better way to end this message than to sing. After all, this is a message about singing. And so we're just going to sing an old hymn that I hope most of you know called I Surrender All. And we're just going to lift our voices. You know why you sing now. After we sing the song, you, you are dismissed. We're going to have a prayer team up here where if you need prayer for anything that is going on in your life, if you need support, they're going to be here. They have been waiting to pray for you. So after we sing... You are dismissed. You are free to go if you would like to come and you, you would like to worship or be prayed for. Please come. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.